I'm going to be reading from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 1 to 18. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him, and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled for forty days and forty nights, until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for you, Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death by the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha of Shaphat from Abel Mahola to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Haziel, and Elijah will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And we have a second reading in Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 31. Probably just easier to read it behind. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they have done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Thank you so much, Daisy. Good evening. My name is Callum. Wow, that was just a silent, no good evening back to me. I'll just go home now. It's great to see you. My name is Callum. I am the East Sites team leader here at Above Bar Church. And it's great to be with you. 
do keep your Bible open uh, on that 1 Kings passage, which is on page 360. Do have that open in front of you as we look at God's Word together. Um, The reason to have it open is, one, because we believe this is God's Word, and God's Word is powerful. Um, I'm not, particularly. So it's good to keep it in God's Word. Um, And the second one is it'll make a lot more sense what I'm going to say over the next 20 minutes or so if you have the passage open in front of you. We are coming to the end of a series we've been doing in this evening service about enjoying discipleship, enjoying following Jesus. And we've been looking at different things like rest we looked at last week. And tonight, the last one, we are looking at silence and solitude, which sounds quite mysterious or fancy or special or super spiritual. Silence and solitude is the idea of silence, like it says on the tin. And solitude is being alone, getting away from other people and the busyness of life. Silence and solitude. Now, why in the world do we want to talk about silence and solitude? Why listen to an American bloke who's very loud talk about silence and solitude? Well, I love this quote from Blaise Pascal. He was a a brilliant philosopher, a mathematician, and a Christian. And uh, can we have the slide up? He says, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And then alongside that, we saw in Mark chapter 6, Jesus says, come with me to a quiet place and get some rest. Actually, Luke Luke chapter 5, verse 16 says, Jesus frequently went away to desolate or, or quiet or wilderness places to pray, to be alone, to be somewhere that was quiet. See, at its core, we live in a busy, distracted world. And even if we go sometimes, even if we go to somewhere and it's a bit quiet for a moment, our thoughts can be so busy, just as busy as Southampton city center traffic at its worst inside of us. But the God that we see in Jesus is a relational God. He wants time with you. And Jesus knew that. Did you see that in 1 Kings 19 in the story of Elijah? It says in verse 8 that he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights into the wilderness. Does that ring a bell for you maybe of Jesus when he begins his ministry? 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil. There's a theme in Scripture of getting away from the hustle and the bustle, going somewhere quiet. And in the Bible, it's usually the wilderness. God works in the wilderness, in us. And that is why he wants us to practice silence and solitude. Because as we go into the wilderness, as we go to a place where it's just us, And God, he reveals things about us, and he reveals things about himself. So let's look at 1 Kings 19 together, and let's be excited for what God might be saying to you and to me about silence and solitude. So we have Elijah, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament of God. And first, we see that he is a busy and dejected prophet. 
a busy and dejected prophet. Now, a little backstory into this passage. Elijah, prophet of God, his job is to get the people of God, the people of Israel, to focus and come back to God. That's his job, to keep reminding them over and over the ways in which they have gone completely off track from God and to call them back to God, the true God, the God who loves them. They have gone off after uh, another God, a false God called Baal. He's a terrible God as well. Includes things like child sacrifice. And God hates that. He wants them to come back. And Elijah is striving. And the king and queen, Jezebel and Ahab, they are completely behind Baal. Elijah has this prophet off, as I like to call it, between the prophets of Baal. Both call on their gods to to do something, to prove themselves. The prophets of Baal fail miserably. Elijah prays down fire and then kills all the prophets of Baal. He then basically single-handedly, through prayer, ends a drought that Israel was experiencing, and rains finally come. And then Ahab wants to kill him, so Elijah runs and outruns Ahab's chariot on foot. Now, you might think you're busy and don't have time for silence and solitude, but you were not as busy as Elijah, let me tell you. He was one busy fellow, wasn't he? And he was seeing God work in incredible ways. We've talked about how we're busy as a church. We love to do things that help people in this city and in this world see and grow in Jesus. And it's good to be busy with those things. And Elijah was busy with those things. But something was going wrong with Elijah. We see Jezebel, the queen, after she hears all that Elijah has done, Look at verse 2, say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life, Elijah, like that of one of the prophets you've slain. So Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. So he came to Beersheba in Judah. He left a servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Now, if you're think, uh, you might be thinking, gosh, if I could just see God do things like Elijah saw, pray down fire, that'd be great. See all these incredible things happening. Gosh, I would be on top of the world, but Elijah wants to die. What's going on? He says, I've had enough, Lord, the end of verse 4. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. He's so desperately disappointed He is a prophet of God. His whole job, his whole calling is to bring the people of God back to God. He's seen God do incredible things through him. Nothing seems to have changed. Jezebel and Ahab still want to kill him. The people of God don't seem to be turning back in their droves, despite all the amazing things they've seen to the one true God. He's busy and he's dejected, and he falls asleep. And this is the wonderful and beautiful thing of our God who provides a very practical and very physical intervention in Elijah's life. Look on. So it says in verse 5, he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. 
At once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread, baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back and touched a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights. You see God here very practically providing for Elijah. What does Elijah need first and foremost? Yes, God is preparing him. He's going into the wilderness to meet with God. And so God provides him a snack and a nap. Isn't that what we all need sometimes? He gives him sleep. He gives him food. And he says, ah, go back to bed, and then actually you need some more food. And sometimes, especially, we love busyness so much in this Western world and in the UK. And sometimes we can get so low, and part of what we need, as well as meeting with God, is we need a, maybe a healthy meal and a good sleep. We need to slow down. And that's what we see God providing for Elijah, a physical, a practical intervention. And so he then journeys into the wilderness. And he goes particularly, verse 8, he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. This is where uh, most likely Moses also heard from God in Exodus through the burning bush. Elijah's being brought to a place known by the people of God. This is where God speaks to his people. So we go on. We've seen a busy, dejected prophet and a practical intervention by God. And now we see God restoring and speaking to Elijah. Can we have the the next slide, please? From a gentle and intimate God. Look uh, at the second half of verse 9. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. If you read through the Bible, you will see God asks questions a lot. And one of the reasons he does is because questions help us see. Questions are the beginning of a conversation. And God is a conversational God, and he wants to have a conversation with Elijah. But there's also something going on here, because there's a repetition. What are you doing here, Elijah? I've been very zealous for the Lord. And Elijah has been very zealous for the Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. You can hear the disappointment and despair and dejection in Elijah. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. Now the interesting thing is if you look at verse 18 at the end of this passage, God says, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all those who've not bowed down to Baal. Elijah's not the only one. He might think he's the only one. He might feel like he's the only one, but he's not the only one. But this is how he feels. 
And so verse 11, God says, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. There's a great and powerful wind that tears the mountains apart. Can you imagine? Try and put yourself in the shoes of Elijah. He goes into this mountain, to a cave, and he's waiting for God. And first there's a powerful wind that tears the mountains apart and shatters rocks. But it says the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there's an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake. I have. I thought the house I was in was literally getting dragged away by something. He's in mountains with rocks crashing and falling from wind. And then an earthquake... But the Lord was not in the earthquake, verse 11. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. He might have really been expecting it in the fire as well to meet with God, because Moses had met with God in a fire, in a burning bush. But it says the Lord is not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out, and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What is going on here? I'll tell you what I think is going on. God has brought Elijah, his prophet, into the wilderness. He's spent 40 days and 40 nights. He's had a meal. He's had sleep. He's come. He has seen Fire come down from heaven. He has prayed rain in a drowned land, Elijah. Obviously, God has done these things, but Elijah has seen it. He has seen God do incredible, powerful things. He has been busy and zealous for the Lord, trying to bring the people back, doing his job. And he's dejected. He wants to die. It's not working. What's the point of being a prophet of God? He has seen and gotten so used to God working in such powerful ways. It's almost like God is reorienting him. Earthquake, wind, fire, big, heavy CGI. If we were making this into a film, great for the big screen moments. But God's not in them. But he's in a whisper. A spoken whisper. When it all goes quiet, after all that shaking and all that noise, there's a whisper. He's bringing Elijah back to the basics. Elijah is meant for a relationship with God. He restores Elijah. We've seen that. Rest, food. Then he reorients Elijah Elijah is busy and zealous for the Lord, but the first and foremost thing, the thing that you and I and Elijah were created for, first and foremost, beyond doing great things for the Lord and being very busy, is knowing God, is having an intimate relationship with God, bringing him down from the earthquakes, the wind and the fire to the whisper. And it's hard to hear a whisper if you're not silent, if you're not still, if you're not distracted, if you are distracted. 
in uh, John's gospel. Can we pull that up, Steve-O? Jesus uh, says, oh, sorry about that. We'll go back to that in a second, Steve-O. Righteous Father, he's praying to God, this is, uh, to the Father. This is near his time for his crucifixion. And he says, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. Next slide. I don't have this memorized. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me, that's the Father's love for Jesus, may be in them, that's Jesus' disciples, and that I myself may be in them. Let me just read that again, because this is an epic, huge statement of Jesus. Though the world doesn't know you, I know you, and they know that you've sent me. Next one. I have made you known to them, and will continue to make you known, in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. He's saying here, this is Jesus praying to the Father. Father, Son, and Spirit, the triune God, have existed for all time in a loving relationship. And Jesus is saying here that he wants us, disciples of Jesus, to know the love the Father has for the Son. That's a love that's existed for eternity, before we were even created. And he wants us to join in that loving relationship, to experience that love. That the love you have for me, that's the Father for Jesus, may be in them, that's disciples of Jesus. That is what you were made for. That is what Jesus, as he's going to the cross, is praying for, that we would know. You were made to know God before even you are busy for God and do great things for God. God can do great things without you, but he wants you. And so he's in the whisper with Elijah. Now, I would love it if whoever wrote 1 Kings included what was said in this whisper. Was it just, was he saying, Elijah, Elijah? I don't know. It doesn't say. So we can only speculate. But it's very clear it's a whisper. It's an audible, spoken, but soft thing from God. And that's a wonderful thing because, one, a whisper is a, is a very intimate thing. But also God always, he's a speaking God. He's not ultimately the God of fireworks and big displays. Baal, that God, was more like that. He's a God who wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us through his word, first and foremost. He also speaks to us as we pray to him. And we see here Elijah bringing his, his I have been very zealous and very busy. We saw in Mark chapter 6, the disciples have been sent out by Jesus, and they gather, and they're telling Jesus all that they've done and taught, and they're very excited. And that is a wonderful thing that he, the Father loves, to bring all of that we've been doing and all that we have on our plate to him. And he says, that's great, but you're tired Come with me to a quiet place and get some rest. He's a gentle and intimate God. Solitude and silence. Getting some time to be with God by yourself is so crucial, is so important. 
Jesus did so often because it re-centers us, it reorients us to what is most important, knowing God. It's a bit like if you, ever, if you use Google Maps. Can we have that picture, Steve-O? I don't know if you've ever had this. I'm quite directionally challenged. Sometimes I need maps to show me where to go, otherwise I'm lost. And if you ever have a moment where you're suddenly like, wait, where are we? Where am I? Maybe you've scrolled so far away from the blue dot that tells you where you are, trying to look at things, and you're suddenly like, I have no idea. Where is the blue dot? Where am I actually on the map? And there's a lovely little button you can press. It looks a bit like a compass, and it reorients you. It takes you back to exactly where you are, to the blue dot. That's what solitude and silence is like. It's getting time with God to bring you back to the center, to knowing God. This gentle and intimate God, he restores Elijah, he reorients Elijah, and then he does recommission Elijah. He sends him back out there. Elijah says again, verse 14, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. And then verse 15, the Lord says to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. He's had this time of solitude and silence. He's met with the gentle and intimate and speaking, whispering God. And now he's getting sent back out there. Get back out there, Elijah. You are still my prophet. And he gives him uh, uh, some help as well. He tells him to, um, uh, verse 16, appoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Melech, to succeed you as a prophet. He gets an apprentice as well now in Elisha. He's given a team. We are meant to live for God. We're meant to be working for God and busy for God. He does send him back out there after he's restored him and reoriented him around himself. So I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. We live in a busy, distracted world. Yet over and over we see Jesus and we see uh, people of God being taken into the wilderness. In fact, Jesus went and sought out the wilderness himself to meet with God, to be at a place where they were alone and where it's quiet. Because, of course, you're never alone. God is with you. And he wants to meet with you. Jesus said, come with me to a quiet place and get some rest. Some practical things you could possibly do. Could we have that slide, Steve-O? Um, practical suggestions. It might be, if you're like me, whenever I'm going somewhere, walking somewhere, or driving somewhere, I listen to like a podcast or an audiobook or the radio or something, I kind of almost don't like it being quiet. I want to listen to something. Why not try if that's a challenge for you, sometimes on your commute, not listening to something. Instead, start your drive or your walk by saying, God, speak, O Lord, for your child is listening, as Samuel says. And just listen. It might be that you find that 10 minutes in, you're just lost in your own thoughts. Maybe God wanted to take you into those thoughts, like he wanted Elijah to wrestle with his own dejection. Uh, maybe you could set a timer and just practice 10 minutes of silence. I should have put like five for starters. 10 minutes feels like an eternity. 
you're not used to silence. But set a timer. If you set a timer, that means that you won't keep looking at your phone wondering how long it's been. You could make your time in the shower your alone time with God, to spend with God, instead of listening to music. Dedicate a run, or when you're washing the dishes, or doing something around the house, but you're alone, to spend with God. Or maybe go somewhere. Get out in the new forest or somewhere. Spend even half a day, if you want, just with God. Take notes of what comes across your mind. And just dedicate it to meeting with him. Take only a Bible. Turn off your phone, but maybe have it with you in case you get lost like I do. But the invitation is there. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. You were made to meet with the living God. He wants to meet with you in the silence and the solitude.